millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Clean off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers. Lana Clellan striking from outside the penalty area. World-beating, big-match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scores! Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. The WSL is on pause for the international break, but that does not mean the action stops. The Lionesses are back and they've got a new interim manager at the helm. She's relishing the challenge of her first game in charge. They haven't played the national team games, but thankfully the league has been running and it's been quality games every weekend. So I feel like the players are ready. After nearly a year without an international fixture, the England squad are desperate to get back on the pitch. Can't wait, I can't wait for the team to get back together um, and to actually put some things on the grass into, into play in the game on Tuesday. It's not going to be easy for England as they face an informed Northern Ireland, bouncing after making it to the European Championship playoffs. We really want them to go out and have a good time and play a good game of football and most importantly, to get better at what we do. We'll also be joined by Northern Ireland and Liverpool midfielder Rachel Furness, and we'll be discussing why there are so few BAME players in women's football in England. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women, and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Monday. Listen, I have an absolute cracking guest for you today. Anita Asante, England and Aston Villa defender, making her full debut on Women's Football Weekly. How are you doing, Anita? Hi, Faye. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me on. Listen, we're excited to have you. Now, I know that you've told me not to mention Liverpool. Um, I'm assuming <laughs> that you had a good weekend apart from that, though. 
yeah, really relaxing weekend. Obviously, no games for us in the WSL, but um, yeah, I can't really complain other than no chat about Liverpool would be greatly appreciated. Okay, that's the only time I'm going to mention them, I promise. <clears throat> 2 0. Um, right, so <laughs> the Lionesses are actually going to be playing a competitive game of football. Uh, that's the first time in almost a year. I can't quite believe that. It's going to be a bit of a new look, England, as well, with a new manager in the dugout. Interim boss Hegarisa will be taking charge of her first match since Phil Neville's departure. Uh, now, a number of young players have been called up who haven't yet made their official debuts as well but with the inclusion of Bristol City's Ebony Salmon and the fact that there's no Demi Stokes or Nikita Paris who's unable to travel because of COVID-19 restrictions uh, the only non-white player in the squad of 21 is the Brit Bristol City striker and that's meant that a number of questions have been asked about the makeup of the Lionesses. Both the BBC and the Telegraph asked a really pertinent question about the lack of BAME players in English women's football. Anita, you've got 71 England caps to your name. Six black and mixed race players in the Lionesses squad you were in back in 2007, and that decreased to just two in 2019 going out to France for the Women's World Cup. What's the reason for that? Yeah, I guess my personal view is I think accessibility is one of the main reasons. You know, when I think about the pathways to the elite game now, um, I would say, you know, I got into the position I did kind of by chance. So there isn't sort of a clear apparatus of capturing a wider net of girls, mm. especially from um, disadvantaged backgrounds. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about where training grounds and RTCs and all of that are located um, and most of them are located in rural areas which I think if you already add one challenge that might be single parent family or you know lack of transportation money all these things that there are layer upon layers that suddenly make it that much more challenging for, for particular girls to get involved in football um, especially at grassroots levels so, um, we've, we've talked about the fact that in women's football in general it, it was very difficult certainly back in my day and, and the generation of players that we have you know around about your age who then couldn't get to play football because they had to travel ridiculously long distances to be to be able to do it and that's just not accessible for for some families is it yeah exactly that I mean that's the challenge and I think once the game itself can identify some of those problems and how to you know create solutions um, accessibility points perhaps training hubs within inner cities mm. will be able to capture a wider demographic of girls but uh, at the moment you can see obviously we're not we're not getting them in and we're definitely not filtering them through to the elite levels I suppose the important thing is that it's been noted now it's 2021 it perhaps should have been noted earlier but there is more funding coming in uh, to, to support women's football which is perhaps why this is now uh, something's being able to, to be done um the FA say that they're working with the EFL Trust to kind of carry out more talent identification, working specifically in inner city areas. You said you kind of got your opportunity by chance. How did that chance come about? Yeah, I, I would say um, I had a very pushy and supportive head of PE at school. <laughs> Always helps. School. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, she um, basically told me, you know, you better go to these trials in your local area. Um and it was of mixed ages as well. So they were literally just, you know, 
off the cuff type of session with Rachel Yankee and Claire Wheatley, who both at Arsenal at the time. Um, and then from then on, I just got the call up to, to keep coming back for training sessions, which then was located in sort of a very inner city area of Islington and Hackney. Mm. Um, and, and that's how I got my start really in, in the women's professional you know, environment or setup, if you like. Um, and I just think it's getting further removed from those areas uh, where the challenges maybe for some families are, are that much greater uh, to ac access this kind of sport. And the main thing is that relatable role models are, are crucial at every level of the game. Most definitely. I think, like I said, my first um, interaction was with Rachel Yankee, who at that time was already an England player, you know, a great role model, someone I got first-hand experience from and advice from as a young player and I could look up to. Um, and I just think, of course, it's important we have visible role models across um, all the platforms that are promoting and showing interest in the women's game. Um, and at the moment, we don't really have that, which is going to make it much harder for youngsters to really uh, see this as an inclusive space for them. Yeah, that's really important. Um, you were in the England squad under the then boss, Mark Sampson, the FA finally apologising to any Aluko and Drew Spence for, for racially discriminatory remarks that he made before he was eventually sacked. Do you, do you think that could perhaps have had an effect on the perception of the Lionesses and, and bringing people into, into women's football? Yeah, absolutely, because that is the elite level of the game. You know, you're representing your, your country. That's the highest honour you can possibly have. And to have uh, such a high-profile case in this instance um, would definitely speak to young people and they would see that and they would see the treatment of those players and think, you know, is this really an inclusive space for me to fulfil and reach my own goals and ambitions in football? Um, you know, so it's crucial, obviously, um, that like we said, that there are more role models coming through to the top level and actually that, you know, the game itself does address serious accusations like racism or any form of discrimination. Yeah, that's absolutely crucial. Um, I just want to draw you to um, the Lionesses captain, Steph Horton, who's just been speaking uh, to the media ahead of the Northern Ireland game tomorrow, and she's been speaking exactly about this issue. No, look, I think we all recognise, not just in a sporting capacity, but in a society capacity, that we've got to do more. Um, I think if you look at the squad that we have here, I think every player's deserved their spot on merit and how they're being played for clubs. Yes. And obviously we know with uh, Nikita, unfortunately, she couldn't come to be a part of the squad because Leon wouldn't grant access because of COVID to come. And the likes of Demi Stokes is injured at the moment. So it was great to see Ebony called up. I think obviously playing against her in the WSL, she, she's got so much potential. She's got so much... Um, ability on the ball and obviously our pace as well so I think she's fully deserved joining up with the squad a little bit later than probably she'd hoped of but ultimately she's definitely one for the future but look I think we need to keep pushing people from all backgrounds to have the opportunity to get into this squad but ultimately this squad is competitive there's a lot of players that have missed out and for us as players it's about taking the opportunity when you're playing for club and when you're in this environment making sure that you play as well as you possibly can, you train as well as you possibly can, you bring something to the team. England captain Steph Horton talking there. And opportunity is crucial. It should be a meritocracy. The best players should be being selected for these squads, but everybody has to be given the opportunity to get there in the first place. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I think everything Steph was said was spot on. It is about it's a competitive environment at the top level, and of course, even in any professional sport, a small percentage will make it to the top. But it's about casting that net as wide as possible across the country, across different intersections of the country, you know, and, and the girls and the demographics to get as much of the talent in so we can pull the best and really give a fair opportunity um, and see how far we can support them to the top. What more are you hoping that the FA will do and can do? Um, well, I, I really think it's about the FA identifying their gaps in their system right now. You know, I think, you know, we've had a system in place for many, many years and it has a chance to evolve um, and if it's a case of do we have enough RTCs and development centres across the country, maybe not, and maybe not in the you know in various locations. So can we, you know, get more perhaps, and can we start to work with other community projects that are already working in mm. this area, like Football Beyond Borders, um, and, and a whole range of other projects that are doing this kind of work and really already understand what the challenges are for those girls um to, to to get them into an elite program and in a program that will help them develop um their football and and also make our national team and our domestic game even better and and that's the most important thing it, it's it's a collaboration isn't it if everybody came together to try and improve this at every single level we'd be you know in a completely different place and i know the fa are, are making strides to do that you know behind the scenes um rachel yankee mary phillip working under the fa's coaching program that hope powell's heading up so there does seem to be as if some change has been made over the past few years from the fa but still more to be done yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great step in the right direction, especially calling upon former players who maybe understand some of these challenges too, to, to get on board and, and and work in the game and also progress within their own careers so that young talent will see, you know, managers in those positions in the future as well. Um, but definitely, I think it is a collaborative, it should be a collaborative effort because there are strengths and weaknesses and there are gaps in any institution. And so there are different, you know, um, groups that are working with this already that are well equipped to support any programs that the FA would like to roll out in the future. There certainly, certainly are. Uh, you are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. You're hearing the thoughts of Aston Villa's Anita Asante. Coming up, we're going to hear from the new interim England boss, Hegarisa, and Lioness defender Alex Greenwood. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. <laughs> Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football with Faker Others and England's Anita Asante. Don't forget, if you miss any of our shows or you just want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app. So download it today and just go to our podcast section and search Women's Football Weekly. Uh, now then, it has been a very long time since we saw the Lionesses play a competitive match. We've seen uh, some England 11s versus England 11s, which was slightly surreal. Couldn't quite work out um, who was with who and who was managing who and all sorts of problems uh, when that happened. Um, obviously, the last competitive game that the Lionesses played, Anita, was that 1-0 defeat to Spain back in March last year. Um, 
We've had, uh, when the squad was announced, we talked about it here on Women's Football Weekly, there have been a couple of additions uh, with injuries to Millie Bright and Frank Kirby, meaning that uh, Manchester United defender Millie Turner and Arsenal forward Beth Mead uh, were called up to the squad. There's so much to be excited about with this team selection, though, particularly some of the youngsters. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, a lot of the players have deserved their call-ups, especially if we're talking about their form in the league of late which makes it again a very exciting and competitive group and is going to give Hege Risa a lot of things to think about come her selection in the future. But, um, you know, also the likes of Lotta Wibbenboy and Sandy McIver, Ella Toon coming in um, to this squad just shows the depth we have in England as well at the moment. It's incredible and it's interesting that they opted to have a smaller squad as well bearing in mind that the team gb squad they can only take 18 players to tokyo if they get to go to tokyo for the olympics of course and so they're trying to replicate that a little bit which is interesting yeah maybe to give themselves a little less headaches <laughs> maybe <laughs> and you know cut that process down um but, you know, of course, I think we, you know, there's so much talent in England at the moment and it was always going to be a tall order, I think, to pick this squad. But it gives her a chance to really get connected to the players she has in the group, see what they're about, see the mentality, um, you know, the competitive spirit, because they'll know that these places are up for grabs as well. So there's a lot to play for and a lot at stake. Yeah, there certainly is. Um, the players that have been selected, though, absolutely relishing the chance to play a competitive match again. Uh, let's have a listen to what Alex Greenwood and Ellen White had to say ahead of uh, Tuesday's game. Yeah, I can't wait, to be honest. I can't wait to put on an England, an England shirt. Um, it's been too long. Um, and I think it, it makes it more um, enjoyable and more, you know, Maybe sometimes I take for granted putting on an England shirt. Sometimes it's something you should never do. Um, so to go twelve months without a competitive fixture has been—it's been hard as a squad. It's been—it's been difficult to go to training camps and kind of not have a, an end goal um, apart from not being on the losing side in training. Um, but yeah, can't wait. I can't wait for the team to get back together um, and to actually put some things on the grass into into play in the game on Tuesday. Quite nice not to be playing an in-house game. Yeah, as as everyone knows, we, we haven't probably played a fixture in, in what's coming up to a year. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of excitement, uh, a big test um, in Northern Ireland um, and also a chance to get the group together again. It's, it's in a, a very talented squad. So, uh, yeah, a really exciting week and, uh, yeah, leading up to an international fixture, which is, uh, yeah, obviously we understand why uh, we're living in a pandemic. But, yeah, it's, it's really exciting to look forward to. I think first and foremost, it's a competitive match. So obviously we're going to be excited and fighting for places to hopefully be selected to, to be part of that match. Um, and, you know, to see where we are, where we're at, and obviously try and implement some of the, the philosophies or the ways that, that Hege wants to, us to play as, as an England team and, and as the Lionesses. So I think, yes, it's working hard, training hard, trying to implement what she wants to put in and, and really work hard. Um, it's going to be a tough game against Northern Ireland but one that we're really excited about it's an international fixture playing for England I've said before is a dream so to be part of that to play uh, to play another game for England would, would be amazing that was uh, Manchester City's Ellen White there and uh, Alex Greenwood as well, first and foremost. Um, fascinating hearing them again talking uh, they sound so excited Anita and, and you would be wouldn't you? Yeah absolutely you know Ellen said they haven't played a competitive game for England in a year 
Um, so they'll be, you know, chomping at the bit to get those shirts on, uh, represent their country and also see where they are as a group, like she said. But more importantly, how Hege Risa can uh, develop them further individually and collectively. You know, the, the ambition is, is really high for England right now and they'll all be wanting to, to make an impression during this camp. Yeah, particularly bearing in mind that the run of form that they were in, I can't, I can't even remember off the top of my head now, I'll probably get it wrong, seven defeats in 11, is that right? That it ended up being, um, which, you know, was so disappointing when we'd seen a side get to the semi-finals of the World Cup. But perhaps this year might have actually helped them in some way. Do, do you reckon that could be the case? Yeah, definitely. I, I think we all alluded to sort of a, a hangover yeah. after the last major tournament and the group never really performed the way we all expected um, and so having that dip in, in performance perhaps allowed them to have that mental break as well um, to sort of reassess their goals you know look introspectively about their themselves in terms of performance and how they were playing um, and come into it with a, a sort of a fresh mind a uh, new perspective and obviously with a new coach coming in uh, another chance to to push on again and really um just prove you know how far that they want to go how far they want to push and how hard they want to work to get there and with the new generation of players coming in who didn't suffer that experience in France because you know d despite the fact that they can look back on it proudly getting there they, they still see it as competitive athletes uh, as a failure. So having these youngsters coming in and injecting that enthusiasm and, and desire again is surely going to have an effect on the rest of the team. Absolutely. I think when you get a, a new injection of energy and, and, and obviously these young players that are playing so well for their clubs, they're riding on confidence. You know, they're going to come in with high adrenaline and, and be pushing the group again you know, the training environment is going to be even more intense and it's going to step up once a level, which once again, which is going to drive the level, I think. So it's it's, it's a positive thing for the group because it allows the, the ones who have experienced that that kind of disappointment and failure to go to get over it and to, to, to move forward and look ahead. Yeah, we've spoken to Hege Risa actually about what she's hoping to instill in her new team in this first camp she has in charge and how exactly they're going to have to cope with this challenging environment as well. Now it's been almost a year since we all played the game, so they're excited coming in. This is a camp where we have uh, restrictions, so all the meetings we need to be careful how often do we uh, connect with each other. So it will be um, teams meeting. It will be uh, how I want the, the game to proceed, how I want the team to look and prepare them for what's coming. So the players coming in, hopefully relaxed, eager to show that they want to be a part of the squad. And I believe the quality in the squad is amazing. The job that has been uh, going on for a long time is good. I look the game as an attacking uh, in-possession game. Just add a few things, how we can score goals, how we can create chances, uh, and then look at some of the out-of-possession work and just a key objective to that. They haven't played the national team games, but thankfully the league has been running and it's been quality games every weekend. 
So I feel like the players are ready to go in and and to do uh, I and also excited to come in to uh, to be a part of the England team. Well, the England team seem quite excited to have her as well. She has such an amazing pedigree. Uh, we know that she's going to be part of the Team GB coaching uh, camp. We will discuss that uh, shortly and, and the ramifications of, of the fact that we still don't know exactly who's going to be head coach uh, for Team GB if the Olympics does go ahead. But I want to focus uh, quickly, Anita, on Jill Scott making her 150th cap. She's had to wait 12 months for it. <laughs> We've been talking about it for, for such a long time um, but how proud are you of Jill because do you remember her debut at all it was it was against the Netherlands back in August 2006 I'm not sure if you remember that but when you first met Jill um, in an in an England show when she came into the squad what, what were your first impressions of her? Faye I barely remember my own debut but <laughs> um I, you know, one thing I always can remember about Jill is obviously we played together for the Youth England setups too. So, you know, that tall, um, petite girl walking in the room with her cornrows, her big <laughs> laugh and smile and a joke, um, that's always what resonates with me with Jill, just her energy and her infectious, you know, personality. Um, even on the pitch, she's so hardworking, she's so committed uh, to the cause for the team. You know, she's really a player that you trust and, you know, has your back and is just works so hard in both directions. You know, it's it's actually a gift to have a player that puts as much energy and effort in offensive play as much as defending, you know, for the team. Uh, and we'll put her, her neck on the line to do that. And I think she encapsulates all of that all roundedness that she has as a player. But as a person, she's just a great person to be around and she's the first person you're you're basically inviting for coffee you know and you know she's going to make you laugh and you, you're going to laugh until you, your face hurts at times um so yeah i think it's obviously thoroughly deserved and everyone is excited to see her <laughs> get her 150th cap and um we'll be watching definitely proudly as a, as a friend as a, and as a teammate ex-teammate but what would it mean for her to be taken out to, to the Olympics? Obviously, she's without... Listen, I, I'm older than you are, so I, I hope you don't take offence when I say this, but you're 35, she's 34, kind of getting on in women's football years, if you like. How much of an achievement would it be for her to be able to go out to Tokyo and be part of that Team GB squad? I mean, it'll be a massive achievement because it's a huge milestone, you know, like you say... Um, with her age and her, her experience and so few make it this long in the game, especially at that level. Um, I know for her, it's probably going to be the most, uh, the best experience, the most overwhelming uh, experience if she gets there and she'll just be, you know, I, I'm sure she won't even realise just how much she's done and achieved, you know, in that moment. It'll only be later when she's done it and she looks and reflects back, she'll realise like, wow, this is incredible and she'll feel obviously so much pride to put on that shirt as well.
Only Farrah Williams has made 150 caps for England women. It is an incredible achievement and I'm very much looking forward uh, to Jill walking out on the pitch against Northern Ireland on Tuesday. Right, this is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Next up, uh, we were going to be checking in on the opposition and hear from uh, Northern Ireland boss Kenny Shields and Rachel Furness, but Rachel Furness is having her dinner uh, because obviously she's got a big game to prep for. So she's coming on a little bit later in the show instead. We're going to catch up uh, on everything Team GB, as well as look ahead at all of the stories from. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. The week. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on Talksport 2. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Rothers and keeping you company with me is Anita Asante, Aston Villa, Defender and England International. Now, one of the things that still remains undecided is who's going to lead Team GB at the Tokyo Olympic Games if they indeed go ahead. We do know that Hege Risa will have a role in the coaching staff and uh, Alex Greenwood acknowledged to TalkSport that not knowing who the head coach will be has been a little bit unsettling. Obviously, it's a little bit unsettling when there's a squad to be selected in a, in a couple of months for a tournament that we we say we want to go and win, and I fully believe that we can. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not easy. It's you know, as you sit there as a player, it's, you're probably thinking, will the new manager like me? Does he know anything about me? Um, but we always trust in the FA to pick the right person. Um, we trust in ourselves, our own ability that the manager coming in will see a good of a squad that we've got. Um, but yeah, a, a sense of unsettlement at times, but you know, things things move on, it's football and all you can do is take care of your performances on the pitch. Alex Greenwood there, um, Manchester City defender and uh, Lioness, of course. Anita, could you even imagine going into the 2012 Olympics not knowing who your head coach was? 
Um, for me, no, <laughs> I don't think I could, to be honest, um, because it's just one more thing to think about. I think as an athlete, obviously, you want to focus on yourself, how you train and you're developing um, to be seen for selection uh, and progress that way. But now the girls obviously have no idea who that person is to even maybe build that rapport as well and understanding what that coach potentially wants from them. Uh, wants to see um, going into the selection process, uh, give them a chance to either, you know, continue as well as they're doing now or to, to change and improve some things in their game leading up to that. Um, but with not knowing that, that makes it a bit more difficult. Yeah, it does. It do, I mean, look, that there are reasons behind it that, that we all completely understand but the frustration is that it feels as if nobody can actually do any planning um ahead of what is a really crucial major tournament that was flagged as as incredibly important yeah i mean it's a massive tournament it's a global tournament um one of the biggest in the world and the girls are you know they want to go out there and they want to perform at the best and feel secure in you know the, themselves and also the collective how the team are going to play the identity of the the team gb going into it and bringing all those players together and making that gel is going to be the most important thing but not right now not knowing who the coach is or what their plan is for the team the playing style or any of that makes it a little more you know challenging and frustrating but they they have to focus on the, themselves you know as well and, and and the first thing is to try and get selected um, and everything will hopefully come together from there. And then after that uh, major tournament is a home Euros, Euro 2022, put back a year. 500 days to go it was uh, yesterday, that was Sunday. So 499 as we're recording on Women's Football Weekly on Monday night. Um, I mean, gosh, I remember being actually at the 500 days to go launch event uh, with Jordan Nobbs and Phil Neville um, excited about it when it was supposed to be 2021. So this feels a little bit surreal and a little bit of deja vu and much less of the hype than we had uh, then either. Um, 11 teams have now qualified though Finland and Spain qualifying last week the playoff draw is going to be made on the 5th of March with the playoff games played in April we'll be talking uh, to Northern Ireland's Rachel Furness about that afterwards because of course Northern Ireland in the playoffs um Interesting, obviously Scotland did not qualify. Uh, it was Stuart McLaren, the interim head coach's first game in charge and they beat Cyprus women 10-0, which was uh, pretty important. And he talked about them demonstrating their mentality, uh, bouncing back from that disappointment, Anita, and that would have been huge for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was gutted and disappointed for them too, to be honest. I think they've done so well. Uh, Such an impressive squad as well. Impressive squad, great amount of talent and quality in that side. And yeah, I think everyone, you know, was rooting for them to, to qualify and it was a bit of a shock. But, um, you know, they've obviously shown that bounce back mentality, which is going to carry them forward into the next, you know, lead up to the next big competitions. And, and that's what you need. And they have a good squad of players who are still young enough to to go ahead and, and really achieve some big things for Scotland moving forward and they won't want to feel how they feel not qualifying this this time around I think if anything it hopefully will motivate them more to keep pushing on and keep developing yeah I'm sure it will they play uh, Portugal on Tuesday um a couple of stories that were around this week that I want to discuss with you Anita um 
uh, it sounds like a bit of a gear change, by the way, just to give you uh, some context, everybody listening out there. Uh, Rachel Furness uh, from Northern Ireland will be coming to, to join us and, and chat with us, but obviously she's on camp at the moment ahead of that uh, match against England on Tuesday, and um, she's hoping to join us before the end of the show. Um, so we're going to talk about the latest news stories around, uh, particularly we did a championship special uh, last week and so I was very disappointed a couple of days afterwards to see uh, Leicester City women players being fined after a party broke coronavirus rules up to 10 members of their first team went to it uh, it was hosted by one of their players two Birmingham City players attended as well and we did a big piece on this show uh, a few weeks ago after what happened with Dubai and some of the Arsenal and Manchester City players that went out there I was incredibly disappointed to, to read this I don't know what your reaction was to it Anita yeah, I was equally as disappointed because everyone's worked so hard just to make sure that our league could go on and, and we can compete um, and complete the season. Um, so to have some individuals go out there and potentially derail uh, the game for everybody um, is really disappointed and really senseless as well because there's lots of people who aren't able at the moment to do the things they love to do and see the people they love um during this pandemic and you know everyone's having to make sacrifices um we all know it's not easy and it is challenging but there's there is more to life than parties as well <laughs> as, as yeah as you know especially the when pandemic you get a bit older <laughs> yeah you know, you know and, and the pandemic has proven that you know there is there is more to that so it's a shame because especially in our league and the championship we, we want to we're saying we're professionals, so we have to act on it because at the end of the day, this is a professional league and there is interest and we're in the public eye. So there is responsibility on us as well to, to act accordingly. And, you know, if we're going to break rules or do things like that, then, of course, accountability has to come with that, too. I completely agree. Walk the walk, don't just talk the talk. Um, interestingly, by the way, as part of the um, government announcements made earlier on, fans are expected to be back in football stadiums May the 17th, uh, but the WSL season, of course, ends on May the 9th, so probably a bit too late for this season. Oh, Anita, sorry, oh, I didn't yes. really pose that as a question, did I? And then that's problematic <laughs> when you're not sat in front of me. <laughs> this this, this, sorry, this is something bad. else. No, 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 this is something else we have to get used to with these new uh, new ways of working. Uh, normally, I would have Anita in my eyeline and be smiling at her so she'd know I'd be asking a question. It, it was more of a, a statement, really, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, a bit too late for, for FAWSL fans to, to get back uh, in, into Stadia, which, which is a real shame, but hopefully some positive steps forward. Uh, one other story that, that I, I noted, Anita, and I'd, I'd love to have your views on this. It was an exclusive from The Telegraph who've been doing some superb work recently talking about um, grassroots referees being subjected to toxic, abusive and uh, a sexist environment. So female football referees have identified online abuse as a significant problem in the grassroots game where the environment's been described, as I said, toxic, abusive and male-dominated. It was a study by the University of Port and it looked uh, for the first time at the experience of a growing number of women and girls who officiate in amateur football and raised concerns of a culture that was negatively affecting their mental health. I mean, listen, abuse at any level is, is completely unacceptable, but uh, th this shocked me quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just disturbing, you know, because 
at the end of the day, grassroots especially should be fun, you know, for a lot of people, everyone involved in the game. So to hear that referees and, and people involved in the game at their level are, you know, getting the brunt of abuse and, 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 and it's affecting them mentally and emotionally, um, that's an issue. That's a problem. Um, and I think it's a problem in football in general. Mm. It's been maybe a culture that has been tolerated for such a long time. You know, we've seen players flipping their hands off at referees or giving the verbals, seeing fans do the same thing, um, which is really in a time where there are no fans and no people really able to watch football outside, um, they can transfer and channel that frustration and, and anger onto social channels. Yeah. Um, and there's no way to sort of um, prevent, prevent them, you know, targeting individuals. So it, it is a massive issue and it's something that needs to constantly be in discussion and we've got to keep reviewing ways to try to change the, the behaviour, you know, the behaviour that's happening in the game and also the behaviour that's happening on online platforms. Yeah, certainly it's something that we've talked about a lot here on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. Um, it is completely unacceptable. Uh, this is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers. Alongside me is Anita Asante. Next up, we'll hopefully be speaking to, to Rachel Furness and hearing from the Northern Ireland boss, Kenny Shields. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers, alongside England and Aston Villa defender Anita Asante. Now, if you miss any of the show, you can catch up by downloading the TalkSport app and subscribing to our podcast. You just need to look for TalkSport Women's Football Weekly. Uh, right, let's take a look at who England are going to be facing uh, on Tuesday, shall we? We spoke to manager Kenny Shields back in December, just after Northern Ireland had qualified for that historic playoff spot for the European Championships. And he said his team is desperate to get on the pitch and prove what they can do. Our formula and our tactics and everything set up to play this way and try it against England, like it doesn't matter if it doesn't come off. It matters, but if England beat us, they're not getting the three points for it. You know, this is a game where England are using it to gel in the players and have a look at who's fitting into their system. And we're no different. We, we want to do that as well so that we can get a formula ready to go to the playoffs with. And of course, those playoffs take place in April with the draw taking place on the 5th of March. Uh, let's speak to Liverpool and Northern Ireland midfielder Rachel Furness now, shall we? How are you doing, Rachel? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Very good. How was your dinner, first and foremost? <laughs> well, actually, I've just popped out. It wasn't quite ready yet, so apologies for the delay. Oh, no. Well, I hope it doesn't go cold on our account. That wouldn't be good enough. Um, Anita Asante is with me as well. Um, you've obviously played competitive football in this past year, which is something England have not. But how much are you relishing this game on Tuesday? I think we're we're really excited, you know, as a, as a whole squad. Um for us in our development and the the way we want to go forward as a as a country, it's it's a very it's a massive challenge for us as a squad. And you know we're hoping we can take a lot from this game. And you know and hopefully it bodes well coming into the playoffs in April, which is our main focus. Hey Rachel, Nita, jumping in here. Um, I got a quick question for you. How does it like what has changed in mentality in your group? Would you say? I mean, you guys are history makers, making a playoff. So, what has what have you what has changed to get you into this position? 
you know, if if you look um, over the last five, six, seven years, it's the same group of players. But I think the coaching staff, you know, Kenny coming in, just the whole mentality um, changes has really put confidence in us as players and as a whole team and squad. Um, you know, we have got a mixture of semi-professionals. We've got a couple of, a couple of professionals and a lot of the girls go to work nine or five, but... I think when when we get on that pitch, we're, we're all fighting for the same thing. We're all together and we've had that for a number of years, but now we're together and we're, we've got our own identity and I think we're, we're trying to play a style of football and, you know, we've got a long way to go, but I think over this last year, we've, um, we've come on leaps and bounds and, you know, I think that's the, the confidence put in us from, from the manager and, and the coaching staff that we've got around us. You scored in that game against the Faroe Islands, which eventually secured that playoff spot. I mean, it was so tight to pit Wales on head-to-head away goals. The 6-0 against the Faroe Islands was what tipped the balance for you. But but describe that feeling when you knew that you were getting through to the playoffs. Oh, it's it's very hard to, um, to actually put into words. Um, best day of my life as a, as a footballer. I, I think, you know, nothing in my career as of yet as has topped that. You know, we've we've made history for the country. We've hopefully um, started to pave the way for the younger generation coming through and just showing that, you know, the, the togetherness and hard work. And, you know, I guess if we've got a proper structure in place that, yes, we're a small country, but we can, we can go places. And, you know, I think we're really, we're really shocked everyone by finishing second in the group. And, you know, that's just credit to the to the whole staff and, and squad around us at the minute. And Rachel, going into this England fixture, what are you most looking forward to getting out of the game? Um, what do you hope to achieve as a group and maybe even individually? Yeah, well, as a group, um, first off, you know, you want to take things out of the game that can put us in good stead for the playoffs so if we if we learn if it's two three things in this game that then help us win a double double headed playoff I think you'd, you'd take it as as a team and as a squad and for me personally um, I, I have waited a long time to, to come up against England and you know I personally want to put in a, a good performance that makes my family proud and my teammates and you know collectively um make a good account of ourselves. Obviously, you only really know for definite that Russia and Ukraine are, are going to be in the playoffs. You've only got a week or so to, to wait to find out who your opponent is going to be in April. So how much how much preparation can you actually do? I think, you know, we've got a very intelligent uh, group of staff that, you know, we are, we are looking at different styles of play that, that we can maybe implement, and we know we know whoever we're going to come up against is going to be ranked higher than us. Then they're going to be a very good country. So, you know, if we try and put things in place now that can, you know, limit other countries or where we can maybe get success, I think why not try it now? Why not try it in a friendly to? to then put it into the playoff in April. Yeah, too right. Just one final question, because I don't want your dinner to get cold. Um, <laughs> how, I mean, I think, I think I know the answer to this as well, but how big would it be for Northern Ireland to, to get to a home Euros? Oh, I, I just think it would be amazing. And, you know, 
I've, I've, I think I've been in a team that's been the underdogs my whole career and, you know, it's motivating and I just think it'll make a massive, massive difference for the country and women's football in Northern Ireland that is going from strength to strength each year and, you know, we have got, you know, more girls travelling over, trying to get um, professional contracts and... I could retire happy, put it that way, if um, we did manage to, to get to a major tournament. Oh, amazing. Well, hopefully hopefully you won't retire before that, for, for sure. No, definitely not. I'm trying to hang on. <laughs> hang on as long as you can. Brilliant stuff. Listen, good luck uh, tomorrow against the Lionesses, Rachel, and I'm sure we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you, I appreciate it. Take care. Liverpool and Northern Ireland midfielder Rachel Furness there talking to us here on Women's Football Weekly. Right, Anita Asante, your full debut is over. How was Ooh. it? It was all right. Um, the, the bead sweats have gone now from the forehead. So, <laughs> it was all right. Listen, I hope <laughs> next time you're going to go, it was brilliant. It's the best thing no, that I've ever done. <laughs> I had a great time. Uh, thanks for having me on. Listen, you made me feel really good. Oh, good. Well, I'm very much looking forward to the next time being you in front of me in the studio. So you'll know when <laughs> I'm asking you a question and we can have much more of a laugh than we ever can uh, just over the line like this. It's been a pleasure, Anita. Thank you so much. Uh, next week, we're joined by Chelsea and Scotland star Erin Cuthbert. But thanks to Anita Asante, Rachel Furness, Hege Risa, Alex Greenwood and Kenny Shields. And of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show or you want to listen back to any of our specials from last year, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.